Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going we don't need roads. And welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I am your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. Here we are. Season four keeps coming in hot. Uh, today on the show, we have a um, an awesome, awesome interview. Stephen Clark. Um, when I was putting together Back to the Future, the podcast, you know, back in 2015, early 2015, Everyone I talked to when I would say, you know, and this was after every interview, I'd say, hey, um, if you know anybody who would be a good guest on the show, let me know. Everybody would say one of two things. They'd say, hey, either reach out to Stephen Clark from BackToTheFuture.com and see if he can help out, or he would be a fantastic guest. And I always wanted to uh, have him on, and I think we were in touch, you know, maybe a little over a year ago, we got in touch with each other, and then, you know, finally we sat down to do this podcast. It was so great. I split it into two parts. Stephen Clark, part one and part two, back-to-back, here on Back to the Future, the podcast, season four. He is Stephen Clark, the curator of the official website, backtothefuture.com, and he's a wealth of information. So, enjoy. Stephen Clark. Stephen Clark joins me right now on the podcast. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, sir? Great. I feel I'm excited to finally talk to you. It feels like a long time in the making, and, and we finally uh, <laughs> found the date and time where our schedules could uh, come together in this uh, space-time continuum. And uh, Yeah, we were finally... <laughs> Finally thinking fourth-dimensionally today, so I, <laughs> we, believe, uh, I believe it'll work. We are, we are. Well, you, so much uh, to talk to you about. Um, you are, I guess, the chief operator, uh, I would say, of BackToTheFuture.com, and uh, you, you've ha- held that post for several years now. It's funny, you know, when I started doing this podcast and um, reaching out to people to uh, have on the show, I would always ask people, you know, who should I get? 
and your name came up almost every time. And if if they oh, wow. if they weren't saying interview you, they're saying get with you, and then he'll tell you who to interview. So sure, it was sure. one or the other. So um, <laughs> it was it's awesome to finally get to speak to you. I guess I guess we should start from the top. Um, okay, okay. Where where I guess when did you first when did Back to the Future first get on your radar? Oh, uh, first got on my radar the opening weekend. Uh, I did not see it on opening day, but, you know, opening day was, uh, uh, July the 3rd, 1985. And I saw it two days later on the fifth. And, uh, uh, so, you know, back then, uh, it stayed in theaters quite a while. So I, I saw it multiple times. I believe I only saw it twice in theaters, but, um, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the movie. It was a great, uh, exciting sci-fi action adventure comedy, uh, and uh, I was, uh, you know, of course, I was a big Michael J. Fox fan at the time because of uh, family ties. And um, I've, I've told this many times before that uh, I had no idea until I got into the theater that Christopher Lloyd was in the movie. And I was a huge taxi fan. Oh, nice. And, you know, the commercials that you know, Christopher Lloyd did not appear in the trailer. And so it was kind of a complete surprise when he popped out of the DeLorean in the Twin Pines, Twin Pines Mall parking lot. And so uh, that was, uh, you know, even a bigger thrill uh, to know that Christopher Lloyd was in there. So and I was, you know, I, just like every child of the 80s, I followed uh, all the Spielberg movies and everything that he put out. So it was a, it was a great flip, but it really didn't come upon my radar until a year later when it came out on home video there's a um, great article in starlog magazine that came out i believe in july it was july of 86 uh, the the movie came out on home video in late may of 86 and starlog did a great uh published a great article uh uh a late uh, Imagineer, uh, Walt Disney Imagineer, his name was Bruce Gordon. And he wrote this fantastic story, uh, just a, a, a more of an observation and theories. And uh, it was called The Other Marty McFly. And the whole theory was behind that uh, when Marty went back 10 minutes early, he created a another Marty in another dimension. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a great read if you've never read it. And so when I read that, it just really captured my imagination and point out several things that I had not noticed in the movie when I saw it in theaters. And so I rushed out and uh, rented a copy and spent the entire weekend with uh, the pause button going through just almost frame by frame on old VHS. I mean, it was new at the time, but VHS <laughs> uh, recording. And so uh, it was just one of those things that uh, just really captured my imagination and that lasted quite a while. And then, you know, over time it dissipated a little bit until part two came out. And then that's when everything went into hyperdrive. So uh, I've really not looked back ever since part two hit theaters. Um, but um, this was all pre-internet. This was, you know, back then all we had was bulletin board systems on uh, uh, on CompuServe. And you could connect with people in a, in a DOS environment and it was you know post messages and print them out on this wide uh uh green and white green bar paper uh dot matrix printers and i probably still have some of those in a file somewhere that <laughs> these people that i met on these old bulletin board systems back in the late 80s 
discussing theories. And so Starlog Magazine was really our internet at the time because it was really the only place you could get information about the movies and what was going to happen and so forth. So, um, so yeah, that, that was, you know, what really grabbed my attention, uh, was that Starlog magazine article in 86. And, uh, when the, the sequels came out, it was, you know, it was a done deal. I was, I was hooked for life. So yeah, I've read that stuff about the 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 other Martys and all the theories that are out there. But to go yeah, back yeah. to go back to what you some you said. So what were some of the things that were pointed out to you? I guess in that article oh, that you well, had to go back and say, no, I got to see this. Well, you know, I don't know of any fan who really will truly admit that they recognized uh, Lone Pine Mall the very first viewing. Yeah, uh, I was one who did not, and so uh, things like. Noticing that, uh, you know, j- things like continuity um, with the ledge broken uh, in the pa- in the, to- towards the end of the movie, but it was not broken at the beginning of the movie and things, you know, just little details. And, you know, I'm a I'm an old school programmer, so my I'm, I'm very analytical and thinking. And so when you start giving me things like that, little puzzle pieces all of a sudden my brain is going into motion and trying to figure something, you know, figure out the solution and figure out the problem, uh, put the puzzle together. So, um, so that article really, you know, even though it was like only three pages long, it had a few little things like that, that really engaged my critical thinking skills and my, uh, problem solving skills and me really, I've always called back to the future, the thinking man's movie. And so uh, it's one of those things that just really exercised my imagination. Is it the thinking man's movie because, you know, you can spend so much time saying, well, if Marty's here at this time, then there must be a Marty A and then a Marty B. Is that what you mean by the thinking man's movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the only other movie that I can recall doing that for me was also another time travel movie. It was the very first Terminator movie. Uh, had a lot of that uh, in it, but uh, I, you know, for one reason or another, I've really never gotten involved with the Terminator movies. So, I mean, I, I've, I enjoyed, uh, I love time travel and the whole concept of what if and and so forth. So, but you know, a year before Back to the Future, Terminator One came out, and it had a lot of the same kinds of concepts of, uh, of well, he. Is uh, he went back in time, and uh, you know he, his father helped him send him back in time, but he he went back in time, and you know it's just all these kinds of things, and so it's it's uh, that has always been uh, an enjoyable concept to me, and and I continue to enjoy it. I just I don't I don't follow a lot of time travel. You know, a couple of years ago uh, we had a few time travel TV series. Um, and I'm just drawing a blank on the names of them now. They didn't last more than one season. or I think the last season NBC did have one, and I followed the first two or three episodes, and then it just kind of lost my interest a little bit. And uh, uh, I, I don't follow a lot of network television, but uh, uh, the another one that I did follow, and it only lasted one season, was the uh, TV uh adaptation of the movie frequency uh it was on fox a couple of seasons ago and and that's another time travel thing and so seems like time travel always captures my imagination but it's got to be really well done or i i don't i don't stay with it and so 
it was um, uh, definitely uh, Back to the Future is one of those rare gems that uh, just keeps me coming back more and more. But not every time travel series will do that. Yeah, you know, time travel, I think, is just in- interesting in general. But, you know, I agree with you. I actually saw some – I was, was on YouTube or something. There's some college professor out there who talks about Back to the Future's rules for time travel and how if time travel were an actual thing, it the way that they did it in Back to the Future would be, like, almost the most accurate. Have you read stuff like that? I've read some. I, don't, I, I probably have not uh, seen the video you're talking about, uh, but um, – but yeah, I mean, I have read some of those types of things, but I just I stay so busy with the site that I don't spend a whole lot of time uh, researching other people's theories and articles. So you you said that though, you know, it was a year after the movie came out, you really got into it, and then um, when the sequels came out, it was all over for you. Um, how excited were you when Back to the Future Two in '89 was coming out? I mean, were you already? Have you how I guess how much invested in the series were you? I mean, you were on these like little message boards you talked about. Had you started collecting and stuff like that, or or where in I your had, fandom I, were you? Yeah, I had not begun collecting because really back then, before part two, there really wasn't anything to collect. I, okay, there were a few things from part one, but I didn't really collect. I, at that time, I was a music collector. I really collected music at the time, and so I really didn't focus on Back to the Future as a as a collectible hobby uh part two came out and there were a lot of items that came out that you could get at toys r us and kb toys and whatever the toy stores that have all gone gone out of business here today (laughs) uh but back in the day they you know that you could go into toy stores and buy skateboards and model kits and uh remote control deloreans and things like that and so, uh, I, you know, I bought a few of those things, but, uh, no part, I, I saw part two on opening night. And so that, uh, and again, you know, because I kind of read, not really spoilers, but I did read, um, magazine articles, specifically Starlog magazine, uh, that had a lot of information pre-release that you could find out about. And so I knew up front that there were two movies coming out. I had no idea until I was sitting in the theater that part two ended on a cliffhanger. And so it should have been obvious, <laughs> but uh, I just assumed it wrapped itself up. And then we had a whole nother adventure coming in part three. I had no idea it was going to just drop off. And yeah, it was one of those, uh, a silent no <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, part two, I saw on open the night and again, saw it multiple times and uh, certainly did everything I did, could do to get my hands on magazine articles and whatever was available in bookstores at the time to read on part three and so again saw part three open opening weekend and uh felt it you know wrap the series up really tight but tightly but i really was not willing (laughs) to let that be the end and so um thankfully a year later the ride came out in orlando and so that's really when i keep always call it my geek switch uh (laughs) went into permanent own and never turned back off and so when I went on the ride, that was really this immersive 
experience where I could actually be a part of the movie and, uh, you know, actually visit uh, a location because I had never been to California at that point and never been to any of the locations where they film the movies or anything like that. But um, going to Universal and riding the ride in January of 92 uh, you know, about seven months after it opened was, uh, was quite an experience. And so that was one of those things that, uh, that kind of got me to where I am today. So, so uh, the, a couple questions off, off of that. So first, so sure. you, you went to Orlando, um, you said to go to the ride or universal to go to the ride where, so where are you locating us? You're from Alabama. Is that right? I am. I am from North Alabama. Northern Alabama. That's where my 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 family's from. Decatur, Alabama. Is oh, where my family's oh, from. Oh, I, I live uh, less than an hour away from Decatur, Alabama. Do you really? Wow! Look Absolutely. at that. Absolutely. Small world. Yeah. My, my my dad my dad is from Decatur. He grew up in Decatur, Alabama. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My uh, my family's from Decatur. Grandmother grew up there. Uh, her uncle was the mayor over there. So long family history wow. over in Decatur. Wow. So. Small small world. Small, small world. world. Look how Back to the Future brings us together. So. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to get to the ride in a second, but um, you sure. said when when part two came out, it ended on a cliffhanger. Where I I've always wanted to know people who saw it in the theater because I didn't get an opportunity to. When it uh, when when part two ended and it was a cliffhanger, how did you feel? And how did people around you, if you can remember, how did they feel? I mean, I heard some people were let down, some people were excited. What was your feeling when you knew it was a cliffhanger, or you found out? <laughs> well, I you know I probably wasn't paying any attention to anybody else around me. Uh, my wife was with me at the time. Uh, we, uh, a friend from church had gone with us. And so we certainly heavily discussed it after the movie was over with, uh, with me leading the discussion. But, uh, you know, I think it was just more of a surprise uh, for me just because part one wrapped up so tightly and came to an end with a hint of what's to come. And part two just did not do that. I, like I said, I knew going in that they had filmed parts two and part three together, which was at the time unheard of. Uh, it was just unprecedented that they would film two sequels at the same time, but simultaneously and consecutively. And so uh, uh, I don't, I, you know, I certainly didn't feel ripped off. Uh, I certainly wasn't mad or upset. I was just, uh, it was more of a shock that, oh, my goodness, I've got to wait another six months to see how this ends. And so uh, it certainly was um, uh, a motivation to stay engaged. And that's one of the things, you know, when I look back at the box office numbers for two and three and you see the decline in box office numbers between two and three and you see just how many people opted not to go back to see part three after seeing part two. And that is a foreign concept to me because like I said, part two ends in a cliffhanger. And you think if you've seen parts one and two and you know that there's a part three and it ends the, the trilogy, why would you not go see it? And so um, that, that that's always befuddled me as to why uh, the audience did not come back uh, in equal amounts or even more especially given the fact that part two came out on VHS and Laserdisc the day before part three came out in theaters. So uh, that was kind of a, another marketing uh, uniqueness 
that here you've got a sequel that comes out on home video on the very next day you can see uh, the, the, you can see how it ends if you didn't see part two in theaters you can rent the movie and then see how it ends the very next day at the theater so um uh but yeah you know i certainly was it was a full theater i know it was a sold out uh screening that i saw um i don't recall whether there was cheering there probably was some cheering and clapping uh throughout the movie but uh i don't recall i don't rem- i don't recall any gasp <laughs> uh, or uh, or booze or anything like that because it ended on the cliffhanger i was more uh shocked and thinking oh i, I there's no way i can wait six months to see how this ends so yeah. but i did and i survived yeah 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 for sure i mean i, I remember the first movie that i think that i remember that did that when i was um was uh the I think the Pirates of the Caribbean they shot two and three back to back and I remember right, that at the right. end of two yep. it was a cliffhanger for three and for me I was yep. like oh my god I can't wait till you know part three comes out <laughs> I mean I, I can't wait I mean oh oh man you know and uh, so that I think that was would have been my reaction but I always like to know what people think so and then part two comes out part three comes out and and you're a southerner like me you you probably are a little prone to a little western you like a little western just like I do oh yeah oh yeah uh, so I mean I know a lot of people were like oh man it's a western they they've really jumped the shark on this did you think that when you saw it or were you like no this is a great this is a great time. Oh, I thought to go it was. To. I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great uh, way to uh, encapsulate the whole series to uh, end because um, it, it just. I mean, it was just a perfect ending. I, I don't. Uh, I think uh, the western was just fine. Um, and I, I, growing up in the seventies and eighties, I did not follow westerns that much myself. I saw a few John Wayne movies growing up, but. Westerns were never certainly high on my list, but um, the fact that part three takes predominantly uh, in Hill Valley, 1885, certainly was not a disappointment to me. I know a lot of what a lot of other people feel differently about that, but uh, part three, uh, I felt captured a lot of the same magic as the first one. You know, it, it ends happily. Uh, it uh, uh, it just it really Saul's, you know, wraps the whole thing up just fine. So, uh, I've, I think, I think part three gets a bad rap, uh, unfairly. I do too. And, you know, I, I think that it's actually a more fun movie than the second one. And I think it was just, a, it was just a great way to, to end everything and, and to take us to back to the past. But you couldn't go to, you know, I remember like there was a plan to go to like the 1960s at one point. We, you know, we saw the 50s. Right, 60s right. are a little more fresh. We want to see you go right. back before all of that. And I thought you know, a right. hundred years was a nice round number. Um, it was just, it just made sense to go back that far for me. And and I thought it was a great way to end. When I when I would watch these films growing up on on um, VHS or DVD, I always was partial the most. When I was a kid, I liked Part Three the most. I, oh, okay, okay. I don't know why it was just the most fun to me. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe it was just the Southerner thing again. I just love the Western aspect of it. Uh, growing sure, up on sure. a lot of you know, fistful of dollars and all that stuff, and good and bad, the ugly. And so, um, you know, it was just, I thought that was a great, I thought it was a great movie. I really liked part. Three well, and, and I, you know, I agree with you. I think the concept of, uh, somebody living in the old West and having the ability to create electronics and, uh, refrigerators and repair, uh, vehicles and things like that. in a in a time period where none of that is, uh, available. Uh, it, I think, I think I like that concept. And so, um, I, Another film that is very 
similar uh, is uh, it, I know it gets a really bad rap. I, I I must confess I actually enjoy the Will Smith movie Wild Wild West because yeah. it takes it takes place in the West as well. But they've got a lot of electronics, and it's yeah. I know that both uh, parts Back to the Future Part Three and Wild Wild West kind of get uh, uh, accredited for um, steampunk, and and that I don't follow any of that. But uh, I just you know, I like that concept of electronics and so forth uh taking place existing in a period where they normally would not exist so well i thought like it was a great thing for doc like what better way to handicap a scientist and an inventor than to put him in a time period where the, none of that exists I exactly mean, it, exactly what better way to to have an arc for that character and, and to give him some motivation and figure out sure, this conundrum sure. that's why i always thought it was just such a great it was such a great idea to go to the three, but I guess when you look though at all three of them and you look at one, two, and three, um, for you and I and I think everyone has the the same answer, but for you, which of which of the three is your favorite? Well, you know, I get this asked a lot. I really can't uh, at this point in time. I really can't dissect them into separate movies. I mean, it is one complete adventure. It's a one six hour epic adventure. And so I really don't pick them apart. I, I, just last night and, and through today, TBS has been running. <laughs> I was watching one and two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're going, you're running part one, you're running part two right after it, but you're not running part three. Why not? And so, uh, it is, I didn't get that either, but when I, our story, when I was so watching why, it earlier, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when I, when I was no, watching no, it, I just, I just don't understand why a network would show parts one and two, knowing that part three ends the whole thing. And I know they've got the rights to show part three cause they've done it many, many times before. But, um, I think this morning they ran parts one and then part two and then ran, re-ran part one. Part one. That's what I was going to say. I was like, when, when part two <laughs> ended, I was like, okay, here comes part three. And then they re-ran part so, one. I was like, what is going on? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. The program was over I, at yeah, TBS. I just don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> so it's one story for you. So not. Yeah, it's one story. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't deny that uh, the original is uh, a modern day classic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've uh, one of the uh, things that I've been most proud about uh, throughout the last twenty five years that I've been involved with all this was uh, a little over. Well, actually, it's been a decade ago. It's been ten years ago this year that. Uh, the site uh, championed the efforts to get the first movie uh, included in the Library of Congress's uh, National Film Archive. And so, um, uh, and it was so it's, you know, part one is preserved for all time throughout the rest of U.S. history uh, through the Library of Congress. And we started that, uh, that effort 10 years ago and it you know, in one year we got it, uh, included, uh, in 2007. So, um, so part one, you know, I don't think you can deny that it is a modern day classic and the library of Congress would agree with that, with that statement. So, uh, but you know, when you look at it, when, when you look at the whole thing, uh, you know, the whole series is one story. So, um, they're all my favorite. So. <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you this then. Maybe maybe make it a little easier. I mean, part one, obviously, I think is just, you know, if it ended there, which I'm glad it didn't, but if it ended there, it's like, well, that's just a near-perfect film. And I'm not even right. saying that as just a massive fan. It's just like, there's nothing you can really go back and nitpick. You know, in some movies, you're like, well, I didn't really like that, or they could have done without that, or whatever. There's This movie was so tightly wound and tightly knit. 
I should say that it, I mean you can't even nitpick it. But to go um to go back to my original question, instead of what's your favorite movie, do you have a favorite time period that was traveled to? I, I figured that was going to be the angle you were going with. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, time, favorite time period has to be 2015, but uh, they. My my feeling is that we did not spend enough time there. So, uh, I, oh, really? I wish, you would like for them to yeah. be in there majority of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been nice uh, to it uh, to have a little bit longer there. We we jumped there really quick, and you know, I, I'd have to go back and look at my notes. But you know, we didn't spend but maybe a third of the movie in 2015, and so uh, you know. Now that we are beyond that actual year, looking back, uh, I don't know that it's still truly my favorite. But at the time when all three films had come out, 2015 was definitely my favorite because, again, I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up, uh, I graduated high school in the early 80s. And so the 80s were still very fresh on my mind when all three of these movies came out. And so anything that... uh, uh, nostalgizes uh, the 80s in 2015 and makes it very glamorous is, you know, that's something that I, I, I enjoy, so. No, yeah, no, I, I understand that. So so you say 2015, I, I guess I should ask, whenever um, 2015 finally came around and we were there and we saw it and Future Day was upon us, how did you celebrate your Future Day? And were you also, follow-up question would be, were you also like just, Kind of surprised that a lot of the predictions came true. Uh, well, uh, when it came uh, to that day, I was actually in uh, Los Angeles with a lot of fans at the We're Going Back celebration. So uh, I actually was at uh, Universal Studios watching part two when uh, when the actual date and time hit. We were in a theater at uh, City Walk at Universal Studios watching part two when it was actually 4.29 p.m. on October 21st. So uh, that you, you kind of got to live that for one one last time. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, and I'm sorry, I've just completely forgot what you just asked no, me. No, the no, no, about the, the second part was just how, you know, were you kind of surprised at a lot of the, some of the oh, inventions the, the, that were come up with, like, you know, picture in picture, paying with stuff with your thumbprint, uh, you know, many others. Were you surprised that some of them actually came to fruition other than flying cars? I, yeah, I, I'm not really surprised. I, just through the website and pre-website, I used to write a newsletter and write about those types of things. Uh, thumbprints and uh, all that kind of stuff I used to write about. So am I surprised? No, because I, I know, I know Bob Gale real well and he's just a very in, inventive and innovative guy. And so the fact that he wrote a lot of that stuff and came a lot, came up with a lot of it uh, does not surprise me that a lot of it has come into fruition and exists today because of his uh, genius and uh, the things that he wrote about. But it, at the same time, he kind of wrote a roadmap for other people to invent them in time as well. So, uh, I, you know, I was certainly rooting for the Cubs that year to win, and they they didn't, but they did they did a, a year later. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that Part Two uh, prophesied, and a lot of it came true. A lot of it uh, was close. Uh, and then, then there are a few things, like you said, flying cars that uh, we're we're still waiting on, and 
but uh, surprised. I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I think I'm uh, elated that a lot of it has come through. And I think that's what a lot of the draw, certainly two years ago, uh, a lot of the draw and the media attention was just, uh, I I expected a lot of people, uh, fans to kind of re- uh, you know, just to come back and rediscover the trilogy again. But I had no idea there was going to be such a media storm uh, uh, that uh, that month and that week and that day. Uh, so it was it, it was, was a nice surprise. It was it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was I, everywhere. I so. mean, I walked into an office building and then all I mean, it was one of the coolest things, I think, as a Back to the Future fan to walk into an office building in 2015 and on every like little, um, you know, desk or every little couch setup, you know, where you know in the waiting areas, everywhere had a USA Today with the um, with the cover, yeah, yeah. With the youth jailed yeah. cover on it. <laughs> it was just like, where am I? Is this actually? Yeah, I think yeah. for me, that was my favorite part of that day. Other than reliving the movies and seeing everything, to actually walk into a building and see the USA Today from 2015, that that yeah. was pretty cool. More with Stephen Clark on the next episode of Back to the Future the podcast. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.